edition of Daily Affirmation. I'm your host, Stuart Smalley, and I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. No, I'm just kidding. This is Kevin back with you again, and with me as always is Jesse. Hello. We're going to talk some politics with you. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff tonight. We got some sessions, we got some Trump, and we even have some late breaking news from what I'm told. Yes, indeed. Uh, we'll get to that in just a little bit. Do you want to explain to people, why did you start off the podcast like that if, if they just don't know? Well, if you weren't a fan of Saturday Night Live back in the early 1990s when Al Franken, the current senator from Minnesota, was a cast member, that was one of his bits that he did. And Al Franken played a major part in the whole Jeff Sessions fiasco that's been going on. Yeah, if you asked me when he was elected, I, I used to work for a lobbying firm where we did a lot of work with Norm Coleman, who was the person, the senator that he beat. So I was kind of anti-Franken for a while. But Franken is actually taking this whole senator thing kind of seriously. I never never would have thought that. And, and just a quick Franken story before we go into this. When I was working in the Senate, I, I ended up leaving uh, to work downtown on K Street. And I was back visiting friends, walking down the hallway. And sure enough, who I see walking towards me is Al Franken. And I, I must have been staring at him as he was coming at me. And he kind of just looks at me and goes, hello. And I'm like, Hello, Senator, and just kept running away because I didn't look like an idiot. But uh, the reason we're bringing up Franken is, yes, um, back all the way in January on the 10th, there was a confirmation held by uh, one Jeffrey uh, Sessions. Is it Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions? I believe so, a good Southern name. Wouldn't be yeah. an Alabaman without it. I don't want to hold our Southern fans against us, but with a name like Beauregard, it just seems like nothing good's going to come from this person. But um, Franken asked him, you know, have you ever had any dealings, uh, you know, during the campaign with anybody who was Russian? And Sessions told him that, you know, he's been called a surrogate from time to time, uh, but, you know, he's never had any communication with the Russians and he was unable to comment on that, which is all well and good, except for he did twice. Yeah, see, the thing is, facts matter. I know we keep saying that, but. You know, there's things out there to prove this, and you can only deny, deny, deny so much. Eventually, the facts do prevail. We can only hope. <laughs> yes, well, it's you know, politics. People don't trust people to tell the truth, and it's gotten even worse over the last month and a half, uh, in my opinion. Uh, Sessions met with Russian Ambassador Sergey. Let me get this right, Sergey Kislyak. Um, at the Republican National Convention, which is, you know, why is he there when Trump's there? And then in his office by himself, you know, he, he later claimed, like, I met with Kislyak as a senator, not as a Trump surrogate. But when this is the biggest story going on in the country, if not the world, don't you think maybe you'd, you'd bring it up and say, yes, you know, I did meet with this guy, but it wasn't for anything bad? Yeah, and, you know, I think that if it really didn't matter so much, then why aren't you disclosing the, the topic of your discussions. Why aren't you talking more about why you met? You know, it seems to me that being secretive is a way of hiding things that, you, you know, it, it's code for I did something wrong. Uh, you know, I forgot that I met with him. Uh, really, tell us then. You know, the truth shall set you free, right? <laughs> Sessions is falling into that trap that so many senators and politicians do. Do you want to be considered incompetent or a liar? You know, what's worth being being, a, being an idiot or being a fraud? I, I don't know what's worse, um, especially when you're, you know, basically the top law in the entire United States. Uh, do you want a guy who who maybe isn't acting all that ethically being in that position? No, certainly I don't. And you know, as the highest officer of the law, it, you know, it's a necessity for him to recuse himself from any of the future dealings. Uh, in this case uh, of Russia meddling in the, the 2016 Trump campaign. And fortunately, he has finally 
done so. And an interesting thing to note is that the deputy, the guy right below him, is still a holdover from the uh, Obama administration. And I heard you know, our senator, we're in Connecticut, our senator, Richard Blumenthal, is one of the people saying, you know, they're not going to let the next guy in. They're going to do everything they can to block him until they say, you know, we're going to have an independent counsel. Uh, and, and just yeah, sure the guy is an Obama guy, but it doesn't mean he's biased. But it means, well, it ensures that he's not biased towards the Trump administration, which it seems like a lot of these guys who are currently there are. If anything ever screamed for an independent counsel to review, this certainly does, right? You can't have somebody who is the highest officer of the law be the one responsible for investigating whether or not the law was broken when he's involved. So yes, this, this calls for independent review, if I've ever seen. It was only, what, 20 years ago, I think the Democrats were not necessarily happy with the independent counsel uh, by the name of Ken Starr that they had on a case. Whatever, but, whatever but happened to him? Do. You know, Ken Starr, I tell you what happened to him. He became president of Baylor University, and then they had some scandals of their own. So what's he doing now? I don't know. I, I see him pop up time to time on uh, on shows. And yeah, I, I think he didn't necessarily have the best post-impeachment uh, career. Um, but did you see the uh, SNL cold open on the last episode of Saturday? <laughs> I, I did. I enjoyed it very much. You know, Forrest Gump was a, a favorite movie of mine. I, I enjoyed that movie. So to, to get a little bit of politics mixed in there, it was pretty fun to watch. And I do have to give it to her. I can't remember her name. Kate McKinnon. Uh, she was in the Ghostbusters. She was actually the only part of the Ghostbusters movie that I liked. But she does a really good sessions. I mean, she does everything. She does sessions. She does Kellyanne Conway. She's the right. She was the one that did uh, Hillary too. So she's really there. They're all story. Anything that just don't have any of the uh, Trump administration be played by a man the entire four years. It'll just blow his mind. It'll freak out. I was just I mean, more, just going to so. say that. Yeah, I was really going to get his goat. The fact that it's women playing all of these people associated with him. I know that that gets under his skin. Well, you know, this this late-breaking news I just told you about uh, right before we came on, you haven't had a chance to see any of this, so I'm just going to run it by you. Uh, the GOP has released their uh, long-awaited, long-promised repeal and replace of the ACA, although they'll call the Obamacare um, a lot. But, you know, if, if we're being legitimate here and being uh, the kind of podcasters we want to be, you don't call Obamacare, you call it the ACA, even though I may... You know, fail that now and then. Yeah, understandable. I mean, who doesn't call it Obamacare? You know, it's as we said in our previous episode, it just rolls right off the tongue. It really does. So this new bill uh, would put a system in place that's centered around tax credits, uh, and that would be used to help people buy insurance. So it would range from two thousand to four thousand dollars a year, increasing with someone's age. So if you were like under forty, you get two thousand dollars. You're forty to you know, fifty-nine, you get three thousand, and then sixty and up, uh, you get four thousand. This really hurts people who are low income and who are older. Low income because you're only getting $2,000 when you may need a hell of a lot more, and it hurts older folks because if you look at the numbers with the ACA versus this, they're eligible for a hell of a lot more than than $4,000. So, I mean, I don't – the Republicans will tell you that this is going to stop all those deadbeats who just want to sit at home and not work and collect all this Obamacare money, which is ridiculous because you still have to pay for other things. I don't see how this is going to be better. No, it's, it's purpose-defeating. The whole reason for having government-sponsored or government-required health care in the way that the ACA requires is to help those people who are least able to afford health care on their own. And when you think about who those people are, it's the elderly and it's the underemployed or, or people in poverty. So if this makes it harder for them to afford health care, then what is the purpose of even having the Affordable Care Act? 
What is the purpose of having something like this? I think they're calling this the American Healthcare Act. You know, because you have to throw American in there because it's patriotic. Because Trump, rah rah rah, wave those flags, red, white, and blue. Yeah, and and this also really kills the uh, Medicaid expansion and the smaller tax credit for low-income people. Uh, so again, it's just going to hurt them. Republicans are like, yeah, yeah, we know um, this is going to cover fewer people, but people aren't being forced to buy it, so it's better. You know, it's it's less intrusive. Um, the tax credit, you know, it's not a mandate. It's not a it's not a tax increase. But but here's the kicker. If you are go without having insurance for more than two months, uh, they're going to let insurance companies charge you 3% higher premiums than they would have. I mean, that's, that is ridiculous. If I, I don't know what, why you would go off insurance. You know, things happen in life. But if you go off there and you're there for more than two months, you're screwed. I, this is unfathomable to me. And my position being somebody who's on the left, I believe in finding ways – to provide the necessities of life, things like health insurance, affordable health insurance, to as many people as far and wide as we possibly can. And the biggest flaw, in my opinion, of the previous rendition of the Affordable Care Act was that it didn't provide some type of government plan that was cost-effective for those who are low-income. This doesn't fix the problem. This is no better. This is not what President Obama meant when he said, you know what, fix it better than I could do and I'm on board. This just puts us, to me, right back at square one. But it's all partisan politicking. That's that's all this amounts to. Yeah, I I wasn't always the biggest fan of the ACA. Um, I really think it got rammed through uh, without the whole thing is it, it was impossible to read. I think before it was actually voted on. That's why the Republicans and Paul Ryan are hashtagging read the bill um, now on Twitter. Um, you know, it, it has its faults, you know, especially when I was younger. You know me when I was younger. I was, me, me, me. That's their problem. I'm, I'm, I don't want to give money. It doesn't help me at all. Me, me, me. It's nice to see you but, softening up a little bit. Yeah, you know, I soften with age a little bit. The, the one good thing they're doing, but it's like, no, no, it's just the one non-bad thing they're doing, is they're not going to be getting rid of the pre-existing conditions because that can make it pretty much impossible for people to get any insurance uh, without that. So at least I'll give it to them that they're keeping that in. And, and they're not going to kick off the Medicare thing immediately. It's going to go away in 2020. But they promised something that was going to be way better, and th this just isn't it. No. Again, this is just – the, the best rendition that they could come up with without making, you know, any concessions uh, to the left. Concessions, sessions, all this stuff. Um, the House committees are going to vote. So there's a version in the uh, Ways and Means. There's a version in uh, Energy and Commerce. They're going to be voting on those this week, and then they're going to bring it to the full House uh, for vote soon after. They want to ram this stuff through before Easter uh, holiday because they go home for that, I think it's two weeks they're back in the district. That's when people start screaming at them again, and they, they don't want to deal with that. You know, They don't do well when their constituents are screaming at them. And uh, you know there may be some problems in the House, but then it's going to go to the Senate where a few Republicans have, I think, said it's not going to go with them. Um, it'll probably go to my old stomping grounds, the Senate Finance Committee. But uh, this is going to be the new big fight. And you know, they're releasing this the same day as they released the travel ban, which we'll talk about a little later. So again, a couple well, a couple weeks ago, we were all freaking out over the, over the travel ban, and now it's just going to go because we have this to freak out about. It's it's really calculated moves they do. It's classic. It's classic politicking. You sneak things through when people least expect it and, and glide off of that and, and hope that as a result, they're able to pass bills with uh, little to no complication.
it's it's weird the duality I see in Trump in that he's both crazy like a fox and crazy like an insane person both at the same time. Like there's there's so much crazy that I think is really just him being a, a nutcase. And then he does stuff like this. So makes you think maybe, maybe he does know what he's doing. I, I just don't know. You know. I have to believe that some of his his TV uh, experience has led him to be able to scheme and connive and, and business will, will do that to you as well. And now he's just translating that over to the, to the oval office. Yeah. It's not like he's uh, new at screwing people over or, uh, getting what he wants at the, uh, the, at the worst for other people. So I don't know. So, you know, we'll, we'll read this. It just came out like an hour ago and I just thought a little while ago. So we haven't actually had a chance to read the bill. So we'll look into it and maybe talk. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a lot said over the next few days or the next week on this. So, uh, this is not perhaps an, perhaps an ACA special in the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, unfortunately all the contacts I have that would have worked on this, I think they would all be on they will be on the Republican side, but it'd be interesting to get get their points of view on it. You know, just because they're Republicans doesn't necessarily mean they go along with what uh, Trump's doing. So I may reach out to uh, some of the folks who actually were there and crafted the legislation. I had left. So. <laughs> All right. So you know, back to I guess our regularly scheduled uh, podcast that we had prepared before that came out. Um, you know, back to just some more. And it's it's weird sometimes this Trump nonsense. Just doesn't seem as important anymore when crazy stuff like this happens. But I, I wanted to point out that Trump uh, spent another weekend at Mar-a-Lago, and it's funny. I was talking to my mother about this. Uh, she actually brought it up to me, and she goes, you know, and my mom's not very political, by the way. She goes, isn't anybody saying anything about him going down there and wasting our money, flying back and forth nonstop? I mean, why doesn't anybody stop them? I'm like, well, you know, just do whatever he wants to do and screw us over. But my my mom, who that's not the sort of thing she would usually notice if she's noticing that. I mean, she can't be the only right one. to the common voter uh, when they finally uh, take issue with it. That's when maybe things start to change. I have a statistic for you here that to this point, to the end of February, Donald Trump and his family have cost taxpayers upwards of eleven point three million dollars in all his travel to Mar-a-Lago. That's almost as much as it cost President Obama that President Obama cost us in an entire year. His travel averaged about $12.1 million a year for each year that he was in office. And Trump, only two months in, has already rung up a bill almost as high. I mean, W is sure he went to his ranch, but he also went to Camp David. And Camp David's there for a reason. It's right in Maryland. You can get there uh, without having to fly all the way down. To, and I, I, the funniest story that came out, it's not funny, actually. I want to say it's sad that uh, Trump going down to Mar-a-Lago so much is screwing a uh, – uh, was it a flight instructor school or a skydiving school? Something around that area. They can't they can't fly the planes where they're supposed to be flying because the president's there. And you know, he doesn't care. He's just screwing And isn't he over. supposed to be for um, small business? Yeah, well, you know, uh, do as do as he says, not as he does. That's really what Trump is. You know, he don't. I, I'm the president. I'm special. I don't have to follow the rules, but you follow the rules. You do what I say. But uh, apparently, Trump was really pissed this last weekend. Um, you know, he had such a good week, quote unquote, where his good quote unquote speech was so wonderful and he was acting presidential, blah blah blah. Then a day later, the session stuff comes out and everybody's losing their mind. Um, apparently people who are close to him say that this is the angriest he's been since he's been president, and he just, like, flipped out at senior staff from the Oval Office before he left. I mean, maybe someone forgot to give him his, his milk and cookies before bedtime, 
but you know, he, he's like a petulant child. He doesn't get what he wants, and he freaks out when it's really nobody his nobody's fault but his fault, or, or I guess Jeff Sessions. I fault. see perhaps another uh, skit on Saturday Night Live uh, playing to this. But you know, really, this is a hit to his ego. Jeff Sessions having to admit that he was in fact in contact with the Russians is something that doesn't play well with Trump because it makes him look bad. And we all know that he doesn't tolerate that very well. So this hit to his ego, naturally, uh, his reaction is going to be negative. And, and from everything we understand about him, uh, his behavior is like a petulant child. So uh, this is completely uh, believable. He's definitely the general, and it's weird I say that because he's commander-in-chief, he's the general who would send his troops into a losing battle to get slaughtered while he, you know, while he's in the back rather than a retreat, retreat and show that you know he's not the best, not the strongest. Uh, it's again, is is this the guy you want in charge of a military? He's just he's gonna be waiting for a fight. He's gonna be waiting to, for someone to to poke him, and then up oh, you know new war because we have to start winning wars again. That's what he told us. And how about we don't don't. Being worse, right. You, you, know? you could argue this. That's that very sentiment's happened before uh, that LBJ right refused to de-escalate Vietnam because he would not want to be the president seen as losing the war there. But this is something totally different. At least LBJ was a legitimate politician who understood how the game was meant to be played. Donald Trump, we can't say so much. And he wants to pump all of this money into our into our military, into our Navy. They often quote that, you know, our, our Navy is almost down to the same level of ships as we had in World War One. Well, guess what? Look at the ships that are around now, and look at the ships that are around 100 years ago. It's not the same. And we have the best Navy in the world. I mean, we'd be unstoppable, except for, like, that's not how wars happen anymore. It's not two wars, two people going against each other like a game of risk. It's things like Afghanistan, things like Iraq, which is just... It, the military we have right now is really just fine like that. I mean, it's we're not going to be... I mean, not terrorism aside, we're not going to be attacked... By another country, like like you think of in World War Two, so uh, I just it's just a waste of money. It's a his priorities are out of whack, but that's no surprise. Not to mention that wars are fought now with computers, with drones. It's the 21st century. Boots on the boots yeah. on the ground are not the number one priority for our military anymore. If we wanted, we could go in and destroy Syria or Libya or Iraq, any of these places. But you know, we're not going to just bomb them back in the stone age and kill all the all the innocent people it's just not what we do anymore so you know war what is it good for absolutely nothing so anyway, sorry <laughs> moving on to some of the big big stories of at least last week and over the weekend of course it comes to the segment of trump tweets and uh, it started on friday uh, i was at work and i saw these come in and i'm like what the hell uh, first, he tweeted a photo of Chuck Schumer and Putin from 2003 and said, we should start an immediate investigation to Schumer and his ties to Russia and Putin. A total hypocrite, by the way. This photo was taken uh, on a Putin trip uh, on a gas station. It was a Russian gas station that opened uh, in Manhattan. It was totally legitimate. And because of that, Schumer responded, happily talk about my contact with Putin and his associates. Took place in 2003 in full view of press and public under oath. Would you and your team say the same? It's it's correct. It's comparing these two things is comparing apples and oranges. You know, Sessions, uh, excuse me, uh, Schumer and Pelosi, any of their dealings with the Russian government, Russian ambassadors, what have you, was done in an official capacity. According to Philip Bump at The Washington Post, the meeting uh, between Sessions and 
Ambassador Kislyak was done when Sessions was acting as a leader in the Trump campaign. He was one of the first uh, politicians to jump on board with Donald Trump early on in his campaign and was a, a very close advisor to the now president when he was having these secretive discussions with the Russian leader. So to compare Schumer and Pelosi to this is not even close, unless Schumer and Pelosi were acting as close campaign advisors to Hillary Clinton in 2016, which they were not. So this really is an apples and oranges scenario. You know, for, for all of the shady stuff that, that Putin does, you know, the, the amount of people who who uh, rivals him and suddenly come? It it would be like if Trump, if Jim Acosta from CNN suddenly came down with radiation poisoning because he was talking bad about Trump. That's that's what basically Putin does. But on top of all that stuff, Putin is for better or worse still the leader of a country, and he was there in an official capacity for that. So it's it, yeah, it's it, it's not the same. Um, yeah, and then right after you you talked about it briefly, um, you got a picture of Pelosi at a table with uh, Russian President uh, Dmitry. Medvedev and and Ambassador uh, Kislyak and you know, her number two, Steny Hoyer, and he says, you know, I hereby demand a second investigation after Schumer of Pelosi and her close ties to Russia and lying about it. Now he's saying she lied about it because she said, you know, I never met with Kislyak, and I guess she she mentioned that yeah, I never had a closed door meeting with him. She should know better though to uh, to use her words better than that. But still, get it? It's it's ridiculous uh, the way that. He, He's just grasping for straws, and there are people in this country who will buy it. Right. His tactic is the what about tactic. You know, what about this other person who supposedly has done the same thing as me? But does that two wrongs make a right? Right. That's something that we learn in grade school. Two wrongs don't make a right. So how does that make anything better? That doesn't make move us forward at all. And you know what? It's got to be bad because I don't like Chuck Schumer. He's one of my least favorite politicians because as as a young 24, 25-year-old staff assistant on the Senate Finance Committee, he tried to get me in trouble because he thought I did something wrong. But he did something wrong. He was wrong. And, uh, you know, it worked out just fine. But all I can think of, I'm making no money. I'm a young kid, and the stupid senator's being a giant baby. It'll stay with me to the end of my I just days. thought you didn't like him because you were not a fan of his his cousin Amy Schumer's movies. I don't like Amy Schumer either, but you know, if you just look at, I think, I can't remember who said it, it was another senator who said the most dangerous place in Washington D.C. is between Chuck Chuck Schumer and a camera. I think he's very slimy. I think when you think of like a like a slimy New Yorker, that's what I think of when I think of Chuck Schumer. But you know, I guess that's that's him as a person, not necessarily him as a politician. Um, but I, honestly, I think it's time for people like Schumer and Pelosi to go. They've been around for so long. Not not go out of out of Congress, but you know, I think it's time to cede over leadership to to the next generation. I mean, Pelosi is just a million years old and her face doesn't move anymore. It's I don't know. It's but I, I'm all for on both sides, the old guard moving on and, and the young guard coming back out. So now on to the uh, I guess the granddaddy of all tweets. It's actually kind of sad that I woke up giddy when I saw this. It, it both disturbs me and delights me to no end when I see these insane things come out of Trump's Twitter account. He, uh, he tweeted that, uh, terrible, I just found out that Obama had my wires tapped, in quotes, at Trump Towers before my victory. Nothing found. This is McCarthyism. That was the first one. Uh, I saw someone respond saying, no, making claims without any evidence, that's McCarthyism, not what you're claiming Obama did. Yeah, this uh, the whole idea of McCarthyism, again, uh, another shameless plug, something I wrote about on educatedopinionsblog.com. <laughs> Which you can find on our Twitter account, by Thank the way. Thank you very much. The idea of giving out 
some kind of statement like this without any factual basis is the danger that we face in our democracy, the, the danger of being able to make accusations without proof and have it actually destroy somebody's career or, or somebody's life. That's Trump needs to be very careful here. Tread carefully. Yeah, you know, you look back at people who name names now with no proof, they're not thought of very kindly. But uh, going on with the tweets that were you know, the one after another, is it legal for a sitting president to wiretap a race for president prior to the election turned down by an earlier court? A new low. Why is he asking internet? Shouldn't he be asking, I don't know, the White House counsel or Because or he like doesn't that? know how to use the White House counsel. You know him, Jess. He knows yeah. how to use the television, the, the Fox News and, and Breitbart. I bet a good lawyer could make a great case of the fact that President Obama was tapping my phones in October prior to the election. How low has the President Obama gone to tap, by the way, tap, T-A-P-P, uh, to tap, I must have been writing tapping first. Uh, how low has President Obama gone to tap my phones during the very sacred election process? This is Nixon Watergate, bad or sick guy. I Again, oh, this is deflection. This is that. But what about uh, scenario again? You know, but he did it first, so that makes it okay. Mm. So you know, Obama spokespeople came out and said, "You know what? It's the Obama administration didn't do that. Uh, we made it a uh, first of all, they can't do that. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but neither Obama administration or any White House official had anything that they ordered, uh, and that, that, that doesn't mean that it wasn't happening. I, I saw that pointed out online." It was just saying that Obama administration didn't didn't ask for anything, didn't order anything, um, frankly, because they can't order anything. Uh, so you know, then the White House said that you know Trump is requesting a congressional intelligence committee, uh, and that they use their oversight authority to determine what was going on. Blah 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 blah. Turns out, you know, yeah, you you said it a second ago. This all stemmed from a Breitbart article he read on Friday. He didn't bother. It, it, sources are saying he didn't bother asking anybody in the know about this. He just read the article and started tweeting like a mad. Right. Man. When you don't get credible information, you are liable to spout off about anything. And this is an example. This is the. Uh, Uncredible information coming out of news sources that skew to the right, that are playing right into what he already believes, and he's now putting this into action, which is dangerous when you're the president of the United States. And when you say things that skew to the right, I mean, you know, Fox News is very biased, as is, you know, there's things on the left that are biased too, but there's a big difference between uh, Fox News and Breitbart, as in Breitbart just makes crap up. Fox News, I think, slants things in a way or only tells parts of the truth. So that's not a lie. They're just trying to push an agenda. You know, that's what they do. It's their brand. But, but yeah, Breitbart, I mean, Steve Bannon was in. He's insane. And and everybody's coming out of the woodwork now. Like uh, James Clapper, the uh, former director of national intelligence, he he resigned. He's been around Washington, D.C. forever. So he's calling it quits on a career uh, just when the uh, when the administration was starting up. He said, you know, there was no wiretapping of any kind of Donald Trump, and he was unaware of any court order allowed uh, for the monitoring. And then Comey, who, by the way, this is all Comey's mess. Uh, if he didn't release that last-minute thing on Hillary, Hillary would likely be president now. But he finally pops his head out and asks the uh, DOJ to publicly reject Trump's claim. But people close to Trump are saying, you know what, he's not going to listen to him. It's fake news, you know, FBI is fake news. And if the president's saying that, or, or something close to that. Where the yeah, hell? all of a sudden, James Comey speaks out against Trump, right? Where was he in October with that Clinton investigation? Did all of a sudden, maybe a guilty conscience. I'm not sure what that's all about. But if there was any wiretapping, it needs to have been ordered by a judge. The president can't do that. And that's just 
showing how the majority of America, certainly the majority of President Trump supporters are unaware of how our legal system works. And they are apt to buy into these tweets, these posts that he's putting out there. They're going to follow it, bite for it, hook, line, and sinker. And if our listeners really don't know how how this works, I'll be honest, I didn't know how it worked until this all happened. So yes, the president can't order a wiretap. He can't just be like, you know what, I don't like Kevin, wiretap his house. Uh, the executive branch can request something something to happen, but a judge has to order it. Uh, you need a warrant from uh, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, it's FISA, you'll hear that going around a lot now. Uh, and, and taps just aren't made willy-nilly. Like, uh, you're not going to tap every call that comes in and out of Trump Tower. It's going to be uh, you know, a little more targeted. So, so at this point, Trump may have screwed himself. Either he's lying and he has no evidence and he's just full of crap, which is probably what's happening, or it's true and, uh, and he's guilty of something because after Watergate, laws are put into place. You can't just do this to screw people over politically. You can't order these wiretaps for political purposes – but you can order them if someone has been acting as an agent of a foreign power or a foreign, you know, country or whatever. So, I mean, is he is he just Putin's lackey or is he just mm, remains to be seen? But you know, just Donald Trump is confused. He seems to think that the president of the yeah. United States is a dictatorial position, that he is a dictator in chief and he can do whatever he wants. But the reality is our government, which has existed for 240 years, has a system of checks and balances for this very reason. I mean, I think it was Nixon who said, when the president does it, that means it's not illegal. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, should, I, I like Nixon. I don't know why I should. I am not a crook. He is a crook no matter what he says, but I just bought a new book. Well, but here's the, here's the crazy thing. So, you know, his um, deputy press secretary, Sarah Bakkevee Smith, was on all the shows uh, over the weekend. Too. If Mr. Trump's allegations were true, uh, and everybody's like, if, that's the whole thing. You keep saying, if, where's the proof? But if it's true, it's to be the greatest overreach abuse of power that we can think of and in a huge attack on, on democracy. So imagine you're the president. You find out this information. This is the, I mean, this might be the, this would be the biggest scandal in a long, long time, a president is just, you know, for political purposes, trying to spy on someone and screw them over. And then 17 minutes later, you start tweeting about The Apprentice. I mean, is, is that what normally goes to the world we live in, man? Trump's America. It's it's disturbing. If if, if something that this big were to happen, if we were going to, I, I, can you imagine us going to war with somebody and him like dropping the bombs on like, Seoul or something? And uh, what the hell is the capital of North Korea? Is it Seoul? North Korea, Yang. <laughs> but Young Yang, sorry, sorry to our South Korean friends. Um, but he, you know, he does that, and then two minutes later, he's like, oh, you know, uh, I'm the best, aren't I? I'm the best bomber in the world. Let's watch TV. It's, Cannot it's, even nice. begin to fathom. Oh God, I think I just made a, a bunch of angry people in South Korea. <laughs> we love you. I'm, geography is not necessarily my thing. <laughs> All right, the last thing, and then this came out today too, and we mentioned it earlier, and it's probably going to just get swept under the rug now that this new healthcare thing is out. Uh, the new travel ban was released. Um, it's going to be phased in on March six, March sixteenth, so you know, ten days or so. And it's funny because the last time uh, this came out, we had to do it immediately because some bad dudes are going to be coming to our country. And now he's giving them these 10 days to come in, which is right. Trump. And the new travel ban drops Iraq from the, the previous list, six down, uh, down from seven, uh, drops Iraq after heavy lobbying from the Iraqi government led by Prime Minister Haider al-Abadi. 
Rex Tillerson, Secretary of State, mm -hmm. says that this has been done after intense review by the State Department to improve the vetting in collaboration with the Iraqi government. But surprise, surprise, no specifics. That's, that's just par for the course of this administration. Uh, I mean, the good thing is, yes, now if you have a green card or a visa, you're good to go. They're not going to kick you out. Um, I guess they've lowered some of the things, some of the language. Uh, so, you know, it's not necessarily a Muslim ban, but a Muslim ban by any other name, you know, screws Muslims over just as much. And I'm going to be honest here. I understand the American people, why they may on the surface support something like this. Yes, you know, it's Islamic terrorism, you know, whether you want to talk about it or not, it's a scary thing um, for people if you just think about it in, in very general terms. But it's, you can't, you can't, you can't use a hammer for something that should be using, I don't know, uh, what's smaller than a hammer? I've just screwed my analogy up. But you know what I'm saying. You shouldn't use a sledgehammer when a regular That's hammer better. should do, I suppose, is where I'm trying to go. And you know, the, the vagueness of all this, it's, it's just a mess. This is all a knee-jerk reaction to the fear that is perpetuated by this, this threat that we can't control. But the reality is we make the situation worse by imposing things that could be even conceived as a Muslim ban. How do you think this plays out in Middle Eastern Muslim-majority uh, countries? Do you think this is going to make them love the United States any more than they already do? How is this going to help limit or, or keep out terrorism? This this is not going to help us in that regard. Oh, and you know, and JB Sessions there popped up at the press conference and it was like, oh yeah, there are 300 plus refugees that are currently under FBI investigation. You know, it didn't really say what countries are from, what's going on. You know, we talked about that last episode. That number could be complete BS. Um, you know, they just throw numbers out there, and surprise, surprise, I don't really think he has any credibility these days, which, uh, again, this is your, you know, the head of the DOJ, and I don't believe what's coming out of his mouth, whether it's true or not, which is not Forever good. Forever I will see him sitting on a park bench eating a box of chocolates. <laughs> the good news is uh, our, our other senator, Chris Murphy, uh, he's, he's going to tweak his old bill and reintroduce it to block this. So we got to get him on the show. He's a he's a hometown I will do kid. my best to swing some of my connections uh, from when I worked for the Connecticut Democrats, but uh, no guarantees. But we'll we'll see what we can do. That's for sure. Yeah, you know what are these what are these relationships for? <laughs> right? Isn't that how politics works? Yeah, quid pro quo. So uh, one last thing I, I figured I'll just mention it. It's not on our, our rundown here, but uh, you know, I had some free time at work today, and I can I can multitask. So I was Spicer hasn't been on TV in like a week. There's a press conference, but today he held a, a non-television gaggle, so like you could listen to the audio. He loves that anything. gaggle. He's a gaggling fool. He he does. At least he let everybody in this time. And he said, "Bring bring your cameras tomorrow." So I guess he'll be back tomorrow until something else happens. But again, he was. You know, I think the president's tweets can speak for themselves. Well, I'm, actually, I don't think they can. I mean, we should say something. Um, and he, it's, he, he gets into it with these with these guys. He, he just has such a thin skin. I don't know. It's. Uh, I hope he sticks around, though. I love spicy, spicy. Makes it interesting, that's for sure. And I'd love to see some more Melissa McCarthy on SNL. So hopefully he continues to say and do some things that we might object to. Sean Spicer has to stay as press secretary, period. Best secre press secretary ever. The end. 
<laughs> Any anything else you want to bring up on today? Yeah, I show? do, Jess. And as we've Ooh. as we've said, I by profession am a history teacher. And the Muslim travel ban has got me to thinking. Even with the newest rendition of the ban, and all refugees are still barred for 120 days. And to me, this is reminiscent of the voyage of the MS St. Louis during the Holocaust. America was in the throes of the Great Depression. The world was in the midst of that financial crisis. And there was a great fear in this country, as others, of more mouths to feed. Where are we going to put these people? How are we going to afford them when we can't even afford ourselves? And so this ship with 937 passengers, mostly of uh, Jewish uh, persuasion, came over seeking refuge from Hitler's regime, and they were told that they needed to wait through the process just like everyone else. They were denied entry into Cuba before being denied entry into the United States for the same reasons. And at the time, the United States enforced strict immigration quota per the U.S. Immigration and Nationality Act of 1924, and even FDR, for all of the many things he did to help us get through the Great Depression and World War II, failed to acknowledge the need for these refugees to seek refuge. And in the end, 254 of those 937 people lost their lives in the Holocaust. This is a reminder that history repeats itself. And if we are not paying attention, we run the risk of making the same mistakes. Very poignant. Well, I think that's a good place to end the, the show. Um, well, other than you know, pouring ourselves out to you guys, remember you can find us on uh, on iTunes and pretty much any Android platform. Just search, uh, grab them by the pod, you'll find us, and we're on YouTube too. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Grab by the Pod. We've actually had a couple people reach out to us and tag us in with some other podcasts, saying that you know we're the voices you have to be listening to, which actually thought Thanks was pretty love. cool. Um, yeah, I, it makes me happy, especially with some of these other podcasts that have, a, you know, that are more established because they're through organizations, have credibility and don't necessarily have to earn it the way that we do. And of course, you can send us an email, uh, give us some questions at grabthembythepod at gmail.com. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. We love the love. And even if you don't agree with something we say, you know, let us know too. We'll discuss it. See you next time. Later. <laughs> Bye.